educating, informing, entertaining. The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. Well, let's do all of those today. What do you say? Why not? Let's educate, inform, and hopefully we'll do it in a way that's uh, entertaining and not offensive, at least. Uh, but, uh, yeah, thanks for bringing us along on your ride home, whatever you're doing here this lovely uh, September afternoon. But it is 5.09 on Monday, September 11th. And, uh, yeah, by the way, 22 years. My goodness. Uh, doesn't seem possible that 22 years have flown by since uh, <clears throat> that tragic day on our uh, in our country. And, uh, yeah, I, I was dropping off uh, a couple of my kids at, uh, at an elementary school here in Lincoln. So, uh, but anyway, don't forget, uh, if you catch, uh, if you miss any of the live version, you can always catch us on your favorite podcast platform, uh, or just go to, <clears throat> excuse me, klin.com, scroll down on the Dan Parsons page and find the episode you're looking for. And we'd love for you to follow us on the Twitter or X, excuse me, X, formerly Twitter and, and the Facebook page. We like to carry on the conversation after hours, uh, see what's going on uh, in the news. And uh, so, yeah, we'd welcome that. But uh, before we go any further, say hello to producer extraordinaire, Mr. Johnny Cadillac. Dan, I think you know me well enough by now, and hopefully the listeners do, that I do my best to always stay entertained and keep others entertained. Yes, you do. And I think today, being Monday... It's a good day of the week for the educating and informing, Let's so I'm do all that. for it. Let's do that, Johnny. Yeah, well, it's a jam-packed uh, <clears throat> schedule here today, so we're glad to, uh, to bring it to you. And uh, we're going to be talking, as we always do, every Monday with uh, Mr. Matthew Hansen, editor of Flatwater Free Press. Matthew, welcome aboard. Hey, Dan. Yeah, hi. How's, uh, how's everything in your world? Uh, getting ready for the big uh, uh, festival, uh, your two-year birthday party coming up later this week? Yeah, I heard you say it was nice outside. Uh, <laughs> I, have, I have not experienced that yet, but I'm, I'm going to go outside soon, I swear. I've been holed up in the office for, for many hours at this point. It's a busy week at the Flatwater Free Press, but Things are going going great, and yeah, we're uh, we're ready for Thursday. Yeah, no kidding. Well, <clears throat> you and your reporters have certainly been busy, and uh, this story I think has caught a lot of people's uh, attention. Is um, <clears throat> both uh, the World Herald and the Omaha World Herald uh, uh, reprinted your story, and the story is uh, Pillins Water. Uh, high nitrate detected on hog farms owned by Nebraska's governor. And uh, I'll just point out before I let you uh, uh, talk a little bit about the story and introduce uh, a reporter, uh, Yen Shi Su, uh, that uh, no one is drinking from these hog farm um, monitoring wells. Uh, but Yen Shi uh, talked to multiple experts who confirmed that some of the nitrates is moving with groundwater uh, potentially affecting the water in nearby towns. So, you know, I don't think there's uh, many more important issues than the quality and the safety of our drinking water. And so, anyway, talk a little bit about this story, Matthew. Yeah, that's exactly why we did it. I mean, and Ian Chi has been really doing really important work uh, for Flatwater as it relates to the quality of our drinking water and, and specifically um, uh, nitrate. Uh, increasingly uh, getting into our our groundwater um, for the past year. So this was a logical extension of that work. We all know, or I think kind of understand, that livestock operations, big livestock 
operations um, are, are important in a lot of ways, but also potentially uh, environmentally harmful in a lot of ways. One of these ways is is nitrating to our uh, groundwater. And I was really, really proud of this work by Yen Shi. I mean, she just really spent a ton of time and energy. Um, you know, I mean, it's a super complicated story. I don't think people really understand how hard it is to even understand the monitoring wells, the who owns what is even a really, I mean, some of the stuff is kind of purposefully hidden uh, uh, from uh, public view. And she did an amazing job of kind of untangling uh, the story and, and telling a straightforward story to uh, Nebraska readers. Yeah. Well, and you wrote in your, and by the way, for our listeners uh, who aren't familiar with this story yet, I'd encourage you to go on flatwaterfreepress.org and read it. This is a second uh, story in the series about uh, our governor and his uh, agriculture production. And uh, yeah, it's a very important story. And, and I'll just point out in your newsletter, uh, Matthew, and, and by the way, uh, folks, when you sign up uh, for uh, Matthew's uh, uh, newsletter every Friday, and it's always entertaining, always informative. And but you pointed out that uh, Yen Shi uh, uh, attempted to talk to the governor, declined to speak, um, or referred questions to um, to his daughter, actually, who runs the company. Uh, but you pointed out that you thought that was too bad, especially uh, in this case, that there's likely evidence that uh, uh, Pill and Family Farms have seen water problems and fixed them. And uh, so anyway, the governor decided not to go on record on this story, but uh, uh, but thanks for trying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you bet. And there, yeah, there's an example of a well that, a monitoring well that, that showed the highest um, level um, that, that one expert said he had ever seen. Uh, and I was on a, a Pill and Family Farms uh, operation. We had, we could tell that, that the level had dropped from that super incredibly high level um, to a low level. And we wanted to ask um, the governor and people uh, attached to Pill and Family Farms why. Well, I mean, presumably they did something about it, right? Right, yeah. Um, but that, that's the effect of, of not, uh, you know, speaking on the story. We can't tell people how and why it, it got better. Yeah, exactly. Well, would you do the pleasure of introducing uh, Yen Shi Su? Yeah, you bet. Uh, Yen Shi is one of our uh, original uh, Flatwater Free Press uh, reporters. She is an incredibly talented, skilled investigative reporter um, and just diligent. And uh, by the way, this work is exactly where we want to be um, at Flatwater Free Press. It's data backed, it's complicated, it's trying to bring some clear narrative truths to that complication. I think that's exactly uh, what Yen Shi did here. So, yes, I'm, I'm super excited you guys are going to get to talk. Very good. Thank you, Matthew. Yen Shi, are you with us? Uh, hi, I'm here. Hi. Uh, welcome to the Dan Parsons Show. So delighted to uh, meet you virtually uh, here on the Dan Parsons Show. Appreciate you taking time. And yeah, I have been following your your work and uh, your stories that you've been working on uh, with Flatwater. So we're so thankful for uh, that good work and good investigative journalism. And that's exactly 
why I have Matthew on every Monday and, and because I'm a, a fan of local journalism and I just know how important it is to uh, continue to inform the public on these important issues. So thank you for your work and maybe just kind of give us, and we've just got about um, 90 seconds here before we have to take a quick break, but please stick around uh, to the uh, after that and we can talk a little bit more, but just give us your impression uh, kind of at a high level of this story. Yeah, so this story is about uh, high nitrate detected on some of the hog farms that uh, presumably owned or operated by Tillon family farms or, you know, uh, the governor's family members. And so uh, it is an important story because drinking water is important because if you see a high nitrate reading, and some experts said that if there are monitoring wells nearby, that could be a huge, um, you know, huge health concern for residents. Um, and also towns water supplies, right? So this is the story that we're trying to um, basically, uh, you know, trying to uh, open the discussion on what this could mean, and you know, uh, especially from the perspective of uh, flat water free press. I think that we're um, trying to illustrate a lot of the mysteries that people have kind of, you know, uh, talked about but haven't solved, and we don't. We don't know the answers to all the questions, but mm-hmm. I'm really hoping that this would start a conversation and start some sort of, uh, you know, uh, debate or, you know, public policy discourse. Absolutely. On how we address the nitrate issues on some of the livestock operations, not not just about Governor Pillen's talk farms. Absolutely. Yeah, it is a complicated story. Well, Yinchi, if you can stick around, we're going to take this quick break, and we'll be back after this on 1499.3 KLIN. You're listening to The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. Hey, welcome back to the Monday edition where we always visit with our friends at Flatwater Free Press, Nebraska's very first nonprofit newsroom. And if you, uh, if you're not reading Flatwater Free Press, uh, you can do it for free, uh, because that's the model. Uh, they give their news away. There's no paywalls. There's no subscriptions, but they are a nonprofit. So, uh, if you want to give them some money for their work, uh, they would welcome that. But, uh, just go to flatwaterfreepress.org. RG and you can sign up for their uh, free newsletter and and go on to their website and read uh, their stories. Uh, coming up on tomorrow's show, it's our monthly check-in with Mayor Lyrian. Uh, and in the second half of the show, some pretty exciting, uh, I believe, some pretty exciting developments uh, with the potential convention center uh, here in Lincoln. And so we'll welcome onto the show, and I'm sure the mayor may have something to say about that as well. There's a big announcement tomorrow morning, but uh, we'll be joined in the second half of the show by Jeff Mall from Visit Lincoln and, and Sean Flowerday, uh, Lancaster County uh, Commissioner. Uh, and so talking about the update on the proposed convention center here in Lincoln. But uh, we are. We're visiting with uh, reporter Yinshi Su, who's done just a fabulous uh, investigative long piece uh, about um, uh, Governor Pillen's hog operations and uh, the high nitrate uh, level that's been detected on uh, some of his properties. And uh, so, Yinshi, uh, you know what? caught my eye just to give our listeners uh, an idea of how serious this issue can be. Uh, you interviewed Andrew Greeson, who's uh, uh, the Platte Center uh, community here in Nebraska water operator. 
and uh, he's, uh, he told you that the area surrounding town uh, has seen a handful of cancer cases uh, just this year. And he pointed out to you that when he was young, there weren't many people with cancer at all. And now he said it's wild. Uh, prostate cancer, breast cancer, brain cancer, just everything, he told you. And, and he said, I just think it's got to be the food we're eating or the water we're drinking. So that's directly from someone who is responsible for monitoring uh, the water system in this uh, town in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, so we know that there's been uh, a lot of studies done uh, to kind of, uh, you know, not necessarily determine, but uh, suss out some of the connections between nitrate and uh, all kinds of cancers and, you know, other health conditions like thyroid disease and um, and other birth defects. And so what we can say uh, is that um, based on the scientific research in Nebraska from UNMC and uh, national research, uh, there's been a link and correlation sometimes between areas with high uh, pediatric cancer occurrence rates and also uh, high nitrate levels. And so it, if you go to our uh, story last year uh, to look at the maps, just overlaying these two, um, you know, rates, you'd see that there's a huge, you know, um, co- correlation and between area, the, the areas. And so it just, the scientists are worried about this, and one expert from UNMC who's been studying this said that, you know, she'd actually prefer the uh, safe drinking water uh, nitrate limit to be lower because there are, there is an EPA limit. So it, nitrate is being regulated, and then you have experts uh, increasingly suspecting there's a link between nitrate and uh, very serious uh, health conditions. And so... Um, when I heard uh, Andrew say that, you know, that he's seen it, it just kind of reminds me how difficult it is sometimes for small towns to really protect their water and make sure that the residents are provided clean water to avoid a really bad, harmful, um, you know, health uh, repercussions, basically. Yeah, well, and and as you point out in the story, I mean, it's not necessarily an easy problem to get at not only is it complicated uh to discover you know what's going on but also it's complicated of where the source is because uh you know there's potentially other culprits in addition to uh, livestock uh, farming there's you know obviously nitrogen and fertilizers which is applied for decades to our cornfields and we're the highest producing corn state in america and so there's a lot of fertilizer nitrogen fertilizer that's being applied that is probably also uh, contributing to this uh, to this problem yeah yeah you're exactly right so a lot of times uh hawk farms and other uh, concentrated animal feeding operations are in agricultural settings surrounded by cornfields and the we we all know that nitrogen fertilizer has been around for decades and you know back in the days like people weren't really uh being judicious in how much they're applying and to this day still uh, there's no upper limit on how much they could apply and so uh studies have indicated that high nitrate in rural areas are typically Kind of a composite effect of 
different kinds of agricultural activities. We know it's agriculture, but a lot of times it's both livestock facilities and um, just, you know, commercial fertilizer. And so that that's what makes it really hard to pinpoint uh, the root cause of where this is coming from. In a general area, there's a, you know, a, a test that you can do, uh, what experts call like a nitrogen fingerprinting test that would show you whether, you know, the nitrogen is coming from commercial fertilizer or uh, organic manure. But a lot of times it's both. Um, I would say that the nitrogen or the commercial fertilizer, uh, you know, is the, basically like where the, the majority of our nitrate comes from. But livestock operations also have seen pretty high nitrate detected on their uh, premises, which indicates, according to the EPA and the NDEE, that you know, there's some, you know, nitrogen that was coming out of these uh, livestock um, wastewater holding structures, meaning lagoons, um, and sometimes infrastructure like pipes and stuff mm-hmm. that was getting into our groundwater. So before we determine um, the root causes of all this, um, experts are saying that it's probably all of the above. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and we've got about a minute here uh, left, uh, Ying Shi, but uh, uh, coming up uh, after the news, we're going to be visiting with another source from your story, uh, Anthony Schutz, a uh, law professor uh, who specializes in uh, agriculture uh, at University uh, uh, University of Nebraska College of Law. So, you know, and I want to get in with him about, you know, some of the uh, challenges of who's responsible for this. I mean, we've got this unique NRD system in Nebraska, and yet we have the state that's uh, obviously responsible for this as well. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, uh, Yin Shi, thank you so much uh, for joining us. I look forward to, I hope to meet you at the Flat Fest on Thursday and uh, uh, looking forward to that. But thanks for your work and I uh, look forward to reading more of your great work uh, in the future. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to meeting you in person as well. Absolutely. All right, folks, uh, stay tuned. Like I said, uh, after the break, uh, Anthony Schutz, Associate uh, Dean at the uh, UNL College of Law uh, in Agriculture. Uh, Law is his his, uh, forte, and uh, uh, he's also quoted in this story. So we're going to continue this conversation after the news. And... um, Yeah, so please stay tuned, and we'll be back after the news here on 1499.3 KLIN. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it product availability just one part that makes o'reilly stand apart the professional parts people oh 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 o'reilly auto parts 
Educating, informing, entertaining. The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. Hey, welcome back to the second half of the show. We hope you uh, are enjoying your Monday evening, uh, whatever you're doing, picking up the kiddos, getting ready for dinner. Uh, I hope you get out and take a nice long walk tonight. My goodness, this weather is uh, finally what we've been waiting for. And so anyway, thanks to Matthew Hansen and uh, their great work and Yinshi Su, the reporter who broke this story. Uh, about the governor's uh, hog operations and this question of uh, high nitrates uh, being detected on uh, some of the hog farms that the governor owns. So thank you to them. I appreciate it very much. Every Monday we feature stories from Flatwater Free Press, Nebraska's very first uh, nonprofit newsroom. And uh, if you're not reading their work, I'd encourage you to do that. Just go to flatwaterfreepress.org. And uh, they are a nonprofit organization, so there's no paywall. Uh, there's no subscriptions. Uh, they give their news away to other news outlets. I know this story ran in both the Omaha World Herald and Lincoln Journal Star in the last couple of days. So anyway, I'd encourage you to uh, to check their work out. And, um, and coming up on tomorrow's show, uh, we will have Mayor Lyrian in uh, for our monthly visit with the mayor. Uh, and then the second half of the show, uh, Mr. Jeff Mall from Visit Lincoln and Sean Flowerday, uh, Vice Chair of uh, our Lancaster County uh, commissioners, uh, uh, Jeff and Sean, are going to be talking about giving us an update on uh, the convention center, a proposed convention center here in Lincoln. There's a big news conference tomorrow morning, so uh, we'll catch up with them <clears throat> tomorrow afternoon. And so we hope you'll tune in for that. Well, uh, to continue this conversation of this very important story uh, about uh, the safety of our drinking water here in Nebraska, uh, welcome on to the Dan Parsons Show on the phone line, Mr. Anthony Schutz. Uh, Anthony is Associate Dean uh, for Agriculture Law at the University of Nebraska College of Law. Uh, Professor Schutz, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Dan. Yeah, I appreciate it very much. Uh, I know that uh, you were quoted in this story, and and obviously your work uh, uh, at the law school has been focused uh, on uh, on some of these issues with groundwater and agriculture, and and boy, it's just such an important issue for our <clears throat> for our state. And uh, you know, as you noted in uh, some exchanges we had back and forth today, you know, ag pollution uh, has been a a very intense uh, policy de- debate, uh, both uh, on the state level and national, uh, for many, many years. And so uh, I- I'm just so thankful that um, uh, that we're talking, we're having this conversation. Sure, sure. And uh, But your research, uh, this is what caught my eye, and I mentioned to, uh, to uh, Yin Shi that uh, uh, you've explored the statutory power given to NRDs in the state of Nebraska, and you actually serve on the NRD. You're an elected board member of NRD, so I think that's great that you're putting your expertise uh, to use in the public sector as well as uh, at the law school, but... Uh, so there's no easy answers to who's responsible, right? I mean, we've got this unique system of NRDs in the state, and then we have uh, the state uh, who has authority over these. Uh, so, so talk a little bit about that. I'm curious of your your take on that. Sure. Well, agricultural pollution is primarily a, a, a difficult problem for a number of different reasons, right? One is just the sheer scale of agricultural production. Um, Another is is sort of the policy element of of farmers and and farming as a as sort of a you know a favored 
class or industry, I suppose, or at least kind of a policy darling. Um, and another is just sort of our larger governmental structure that we've created to, to deal with all of these things. When you combine that with water and natural resources problems, um, you run into yet further complexity. Basically, everything that happens on a landscape has an impact on water quality. So you may have CAFOs, you may have row crops, uh, you may have other sorts of land uses, maybe even on the urban landscape. And so trying to figure out how to how to deal with all of that through both regulation and and sort of non-regulation, that is payment programs, things along those lines. It's just it's a very difficult enterprise that no one level of government is empowered to sort of be the be the master of because there's just no way for any one level of government to be the master of that. Right, right. <clears throat> well, in in because we have this uh, unique system of of local, I, I assume there's advantages of having that local control uh, closer to the uh, agriculture productions with NRDs. There are, uh, there are, and it, it. So when I so I teach a course in state and local government, and one of the main questions that we wrestle with is where to vest power to deal with a particular problem. Um, and so one way of thinking about that is to try to figure out where the impacts of that problem are felt and where you have the capacity to deal with it, right? So with something like groundwater, um, contamination of groundwater water is, is very often caused by local sources, right? So one would think that perhaps local governance structures should be the way to deal with it. But when we start thinking about the capacity to deal with that problem, uh, we run into, you know, political dynamics, which is, is there a willingness to confront that problem locally? Um, and then further concerns arise when you start thinking about how to fund the dealing with that right, problem. Is right. there enough revenue capacity mm-hmm. locally? Uh, and we all know that people don't don't like property taxes, and property taxes is the primary revenue mechanism for local governments. Um, we also find that the, the activities locally are driven by larger players, right, in, in, the, in, the, in the larger policy world. So what happens on Nebraska landscapes for agricultural production is driven by international markets for goods, federal policy for agricultural exports, you know, things like steel tariffs can have an impact on agricultural production. So there's so many pieces of this puzzle uh, that it that it becomes difficult to try to figure out where exactly we should deal with it. But, you know, people's first inclination is if it's a local problem, it should be dealt with locally. But does your local government have the capacity to deal with that problem? And what other governments are making decisions that are really contributing to and driving the uses that are having an impact in in your local area? Those are the the more difficult questions. Exactly. We're visiting with Anthony Schutz, uh, Associate Dean at the UNL College of Law uh, on Agriculture Law, and uh, talking about this uh, new story by Flatwater Free Press about uh, high nitrates detected on uh, some of the governor's uh, hog operations. Well, and, and I think, Professor, the other challenge is uh, groundwater moves. Right. I mean, there's uh, there's different sources uh, for this high nitrates, uh, whether it's uh, production agriculture uh, or uh, crops or uh, from animals. And so to be able to monitor that across county lines, even across, you know, I assume in some instances, even across state lines, uh, it's a complicated uh, problem. It is, but it, it, it doesn't move fast, right? So we would be wrong to think of it as like a river that's flowing underground or something along those lines. And so that mobility problem associated with water moving across political boundaries is more common to like surface water okay. resources. So sure. the Gulf of Mexico, for example, is a problem that 
that it extends up through the entire Mississippi Basin, including Missouri. Groundwater moves much more slowly. So yeah, I tend to think that, you know, there's complexity associated with hydrology, but it doesn't have as much to do with the movement of water and sort of tracking who's contributing. We know who's contributing and who has contributed to bad water quality uh, in Nebraska. The question is whether or not we want to do anything to, to sort of to, to either stop that or make improvements. Um, so I don't, I don't think the movement has this big of an impact on where and how we deal with it. Hydrology is complicated, um, but it's complicated for, for reasons that involve things like the Vado zone and, and legacy contamination. What are, who's responsible for things that occurred 30 years ago? All of those sorts of things, I think, are what makes this a, a particularly difficult problem. When we're talking about nitrates in groundwater. Right, right. Well, and what's the role of the federal government then? Because, you know, the Federal Clean Water Act, uh, you know, provides authority to monitor water at uh, at livestock operations. So, but it's a responsibility of the state to implement, I assume, those federal regulations. It is. So the Federal Clean Water Act only protects the quality of surface water resources, mainly interstate lakes. And there's been a, or I'm sorry, interstate waters. Um, there's been a tremendous amount of litigation. Uh, in part driven by the agricultural industry to really limit the reach of the Clean Water Act. Uh, groundwater, however, is regulated by the states. Uh, there's some complexity there because the, the permits that hog operations and cattle operations have are called NPDES permits, which are part of the Clean Water Act. But the Clean Water Act doesn't regulate discharges to groundwater. That policy choice lies squarely with the states. So the extent to which we protect groundwater is entirely a matter that's left to the states with one small exception, and it's not the smallest exception in the world. It's called the Safe Drinking Water Act, uh, which requires municipal suppliers of groundwater, or I'm sorry, of water, uh, to deliver water of a certain quality. Uh, that has driven some uh, of the efforts in, in Nebraska, but I'd be... I, I, I wouldn't be able to say that the federal government has forced us to protect groundwater. It hasn't. Have we made progress uh, legislatively or regulatory, regulatory uh, progress in the state in recent years, or are we just kind of sitting pat? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to say. Uh, I don't think that our groundwater quality data have revealed a dramatic improvement. Mm -hmm. um, but some of these improvements that could be attributable to the actions of the last 20 years may be 30 years away from being seen in the groundwater uh, hmm. quality data. Uh, but I think by and large, most observers would, would probably be somewhat uh, hesitant to say that we've made big improvements mm -hmm. in water quality in Nebraska or made, made large uh, improvements in the, the contributions to uh, to water quality in Nebraska. Right, right. Well, Professor, if you can hang on through this quick break, we'll come back on the other side and finish up. And uh, here on 1499.3 KLIN. You're listening to The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. Hey, welcome back to the Monday edition of the Dan Parsons Show. We're glad that you chose to take us along, whatever you're doing on this lovely September afternoon. 
uh, evening. Uh, we appreciate it very much. Don't forget, coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll check in as we do every month with Mayor Leary and Gaylord Baird. And uh, that's the first half of the show. And the second half of the show, uh, uh, tomorrow morning, there's a big announcement on an update on the convention center, the proposed convention center uh, that's... Uh, uh, proposed to be built uh, here in Lincoln. So we'll welcome into the studio Mr. Jeff Mall from Visit Lincoln and Sean Flowerday, the vice chair of Lancaster County uh, Commissioners. So we look forward to that conversation. But uh, joining me on the phone, uh, Professor Anthony Schutz, uh, Professor uh, Associate Dean for Agriculture Law at the University of Nebraska College of Law. Uh, Anthony, appreciate your time, and you're just getting ready to go into a NRD board meeting. So uh, appreciate uh, you taking tom, uh, time to visit with us. You bet. Happy to be here. Yeah. Um, well, and I am interested that um, uh, you were quoted in the story that uh, uh, there are records that are kept uh, on, on this nitrate problem in Nebraska, uh, and we do a bunch of monitoring, uh, but it turns out that the rules and the, and the permit don't actually require uh, you to not pollute, uh, you point out. And so you wind up with uh, where we are today, which is kind of a complicated uh, system that uh, really isn't providing uh, uh, this, this, this isn't your words, it's my words of uh, we're really not providing as much information that uh, the public should be having. Well, I think that's right. And, and it's hard to it's hard to stress enough that, that CAFOs aren't the only source of agricultural pollution and they're not completely regulated under themselves. And we don't do a very good job of really monitoring the effectiveness of the actions that, that we're taking. So it's it, it's not surprising that we have a continued agricultural pollution problem. I mean, we're only regulating a small portion of the contributions to, to agricultural pollution. Um, outside of regulation of, of CAFOs, uh, the, the the typical approach to agricultural pollution policy is to first ask and then pay uh, producers and to to stop polluting, uh, as well as to educate producers about the impacts of of their land use practices on on water water quality. Um, so between education, voluntary programs, and 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 funding, those seem to be the main policy levers that we utilize for most of agricultural pollution with the small exception being CAFO regulation, which requires a nutrient management plan, but nutrient management plans, at least from the data that we have, don't seem to really be solving the problem. That is, they don't seem to be stifling the the contributions that land use applications of manure are providing uh, to to the agricultural pollution problem, whether it's nitrates in groundwater or surface water runoff. Um, so, I mean, at the end of the day, there's just a lot more work to be done. Well, and let's face it, we are an agriculture state. This is where, you know, the bulk of our uh, <clears throat> production agriculture takes place in the state, uh, sustains us, and uh, and we're very proud of that. But, um, you know, as uh, Ying Shi points out in her story, only 27 of the 108 facilities uh, that uh, the Pillen uh, Farms uh, uh, operate are required, only 27 of the 108 facilities are required by the state to have monitoring wells installed on them. So there's there's a lot of information that we're not getting. So uh, in our short time that we have left here, I I don't expect necessarily for you to be giving policy <laughs> uh, recommendations <laughs> to the state, but what, I mean, is there technology? What What are some of the solutions to do a better job of not only monitoring, but mitigating some of these problems in the state? 
Well, the, the, the main thing is to understand, I mean, I know the agricultural aspects of the state and how it's a driver of our economy, but there are significant costs associated with that production that are yes. being borne by the public. Yes. Um, and so the question is whether or not we want to continue to bear those costs when the profits are sort of reaped by different different players and not shared by the by the community. So that's the I think the very like the heart of the difficulty is agriculture has been profitable in part because the public has been wear, bear, willing to bear these massive costs and whether we're going to continue to do so or not, I suppose is the, is the big policy question. Um, what could we do in order to make improvements? Well, increased monitoring, uh, increased modeling, increased uh, mm-hmm. uh, monitoring of streamwater quality, uh, more groundwater sampling, more information about VEDO zones, and then more tracking of whether or not what our actions are actually having an impact and being successful would be, would be a good start. Uh, all of that, though, requires funding, and and that funding, of course, was available when we had you know two billion dollars in cash reserve. Uh, but <laughs> now I don't know that we're in that position uh, any longer. So I I don't know where we're headed with our agricultural pollution policy, but um, I don't see big improvements on the horizon anytime soon. Yeah. Well, all the more reason why stories like this from Flatwater uh, that, that expose some of the challenges that we face as a state to keep not only production agriculture uh, uh, churning and, and, and providing jobs and, and millions of dollars of economy in the state, but also the safety side of keeping people safe, uh, because we know that uh, uh, the, these problems are causing, apparently, uh, causing more and more cancer to show up in our state. So. Hmm. Well, uh, Professor, thank you uh, for your time. I appreciate it very much. And uh, we'll put you, if you, if we can, we'll put you down as our ag uh, lawyer for the Dan Parsons show when we have other questions pop up. Sure, that'd be fine. Okay. Thanks so much. All right. Anthony Schutz, uh, Professor, Associate Dean for Agriculture at the Uni- University of Nebraska College of Law. Thank you very much. Uh, well, folks, uh, I appreciate uh, you tuning in. And uh, as we wind down here this afternoon, I'll just remind you that uh, uh, coming up on tomorrow's show, as I mentioned, uh, uh, Mayor Leary and Gaylord Baird will join us in the first half of the show. And then uh, we'll get some good news, uh, good economic news. Uh, there's a, a big announcement tomorrow morning about uh, proposed uh, convention center. Uh, being built here in the city, and so we'll get an update from uh, Jeff Mall from Visit Lincoln and Sean Flowerday, uh, Vice Chair of the Lancaster County Board of Commissioners. So we look forward to that. And again, my thanks to Matthew Hansen, editor of Flatwater Free Press, and uh, their work that they've done on this important story, and uh, uh, Yin Shi Su, uh, the reporter who broke this story and worked uh, tirelessly on on this because it. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to, to read it, I'd encourage you to do it. It's a complex story, as, and we just kind of brushed the surface here with our guests here this afternoon. But uh, uh, I'd encourage you to go to flatwaterfreepress.org, and you'll be able to uh, to read that story. And, yeah, Flatwater Free Press, Nebraska's very first nonprofit uh, newsroom, and uh, we appreciate their work. And, uh, and as, the, uh, as the title implies, they're a nonprofit, and so there's no paywall. Uh, there's no subscriptions. Uh, they're a nonprofit. You can you can give them some money uh, <laughs> to employ these good reporters and do this work, but uh, there's no requirement to do that. So, uh, and this is uh, 9/11, and uh, we remember those people that uh, uh, lost their lives 22 years ago today, and so we remember those folks uh, fondly on this day, and uh, we're 
wherever you were uh, 22 years ago. It doesn't seem possible. Uh, I'll say, I was just 12 years old at that time, and I still remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, what grade were you? Seventh grade? Uh, seventh grade. Seventh yep. grade, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was a a very weird day uh, to say the least. Well, um, yes, and then uh, coming up later in the week, uh, uh, Thursday, we'll check in with Todd Ogden uh, from Downtown Lincoln Association, and then of course we'll end your Friday as we always do the welcome in the Saturday with our friend uh, Chef Kevin Shin and the Friday Afternoon Club. Uh, so don't miss that. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, I hope you get out and enjoy this wonderful weather. Go take a walk, uh, walk the dog, uh, do a little uh, outdoor activity, because this is the reason we live in Nebraska. It's days like this. Thanks for tuning in. That's a wrap. Now go do good things here on 1499.3 KLIN.